Peace be upon you. God willing, you guys had a phenomenal Ramadan, uh, were able to grow and develop your souls, and ready to continue with that path of righteousness. Inshallah, today I want to talk about the topic of prophecy and how God uses prophecy in the Quran to give us indications for what's to come. A lot of the Quran deals with this topic of prophecy. For instance, Surah 44 is entitled The Smoke, and we did a whole episode about the prophecy of the smoke, about this disaster that's yet to come for the future generations. And also, Surah 54 is entitled The Moon, and it talks about the prophecy of the splitting of the moon. And we also did an episode about that, how that corresponds with the July 20th, 1969 landing and July 21st, 1969 departure of the moon, where we took, I believe it's like a 300 kilograms of moon rock from the moon. And inshallah, in this episode, I want to talk about specifically three prophecies uh, that are mentioned in the Bible and confirmed, obviously, in the Quran. And that has to do with the prophecy of Prophet Muhammad, the prophecy of the Quran itself, and also the prophecy of the Messenger of the Covenant. So in Surah 61, verse 6, we read that it says, Recall that Jesus, son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, I am God's messenger to you, confirming the Torah and bringing good news of a messenger to come after me, whose name will be even more praised. Then when he showed them the clear proofs, they said, this is profound magic. So when Jesus uses this word, more praise, in Arabic it's Ahmad. Ahmad comes from the root Hamid, which means praise. So Ahmad is more praised. So what he's doing, he's embedding language in his phrase to let us know. And why did he use this root word of uh, Hamid from Ahmad? Is because this is the same root for the name Muhammad. So God is using this embedded language for us to realize that the messenger to come is going to be more praised, meaning that his, his name is embedded in this phrase. And this is also depicted in the Bible um, in regards to Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, it says, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise for you from among your kinsmen. To him you shall listen. And it continues in verse 18, it reads, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among them, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. So this is a prophecy given by Moses about a prophet to come, which is Muhammad. And this is echoed again in Acts 3, 22 through 23 and Acts 7 through uh, 37, which, which is accounting the same instance from Deuteronomy. So again, God is giving us these clues in the previous scriptures of what's to come. And uh, he's letting us know the way that he does this. Rather than saying the person's name is Muhammad, he's going to come at this time, at this date, he embeds language inside the text for us to be able to recognize it when the prophecy comes to pass. Because this is one of the amazing aspects of a prophecy is if you give a prophecy with too much detail, that knowledge in itself, it skews the prophecy. Like if I tell you that, you know, again, the messenger to come, the prophet's going to be uh, named Muhammad, how many false prophets are going to come out naming their child Muhammad and, uh, you know, in essence, confusing the people? But it's one of these things that in hindsight, when you look back at the prophecy, becomes very obvious. Um, and that has to do, again, with the prophecy of uh, Muhammad. I want to look now at the prophecy of the uh, Quran. 
So again, in the Bible, in John 14, uh, verses 16 through 17, we read, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So it's talking about the spirit of truth, and it uh, continues in John 16, 13, it says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And this spirit of truth that is depicted in uh, um, the, uh, the Bible is in reference to the Quran. Throughout the Quran, God references the Quran itself as a form of a messenger, an entity that's preaching God's word when a live messenger is not around. And I'll give you an example. In 65, 10, and 11, we read, God has prepared for them severe retribution. Therefore, you shall reverence God, O you who possess intelligence and believe. And it says, God has sent down to you a message, a messenger who recites to you God's revelations clearly to lead those who believe and work righteousness out of the darkness into the light. Anyone who believes in God and leads a righteous life, he will admit them into gardens with flowing streams. They abide therein forever. God will generously reward them. So God is talking about sending down a message, and then it says a messenger. So again, this Quran itself serves as a function of a messenger. And we see a similar uh, phenomenon in Surah 17, verse 85, says they ask you about the revelation. Say the revelation comes from my Lord. The knowledge given to you is minute. And this word revelation is ruh, which also corresponds to a spirit. So this Quran is a spirit. It's basically the words of God verbatim for mankind. And we know that in the Quran, God tells us that the previous generations, the scholars of the Old Testament, that they knew about the prophecy of the Quran. And it reads in 2.89, so Surah 2 verse 89, says, When this scripture came to them from God, and even though it agrees and confirms what they have, and even though they used to prophesy its advent, when they talked with the disbelievers, when their own prophecy came to pass, they disbelieved therein. God's condemnation thus afflicts the disbelievers. So we're seeing in the uh, Quran that the previous scriptures the scholars of the previous scriptures, they knew of the prophecy of the Quran to come. And we know for a fact, like the uh, children of Israel are still waiting for their prophet and messenger to come. They've rejected Jesus. They rejected Muhammad. And they most likely will reject, reject anyone else who comes. And we see a similar uh, statement in 26, 192. It says, this is a revelation from the Lord of the universe. The honest spirit, Gabriel, came down with it to reveal it into your heart that you may be one of the warners in a perfect Arabic tongue. It has been prophesied in the books of previous generations. Is it not a sufficient sign for them that it was known to the scholars among the children of Israel? So it's saying that the children of Israel knew about the spirit of truth. And what's interesting, again, in uh, 26193 says the honest spirit, again, the same word is uh, used, ruh, which is in contact, uh, context to the uh, angel Gabriel. Uh, says that it brought it down and that they were prophesying its coming of the Quran. And in the old, uh, in the uh, New Testament, we see that it's referenced as the spirit of truth. Now, it's worth knowing that the uh, Gospels that came down, we have four that are used in the, uh, the Bible, that, you know, any Bible you pick up, you see the uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But there's literally hundreds, if not thousands, of Gospels. Now, many of these are nonsensical. 
but occasionally you stumble on one that you realize that is very profound. And there's one specifically uh, that's part of the Dead Sea Scrolls that's called the Gospel of Truth. And I want to read one of the verses. And the verses of the Gospel of Truth, they're not numbered, but I want to read a passage from this. And think of it again, that it's interesting that it's talking about the spirit of truth in reference to the Quran. The Quran twice references the uh, ruh in the sense of uh, the, the revelation, the spirit Gabriel, in context to bringing down the Quran. And in the uh, injunction with uh, the children of Israel prophesizing its coming, the uh, individuals of the previous scriptures. And in the gospel of truth, it reads, for he revealed it as a knowledge with which all its emanations agree, namely the knowledge of the living book, which he revealed to the aeons. Now, I want to stop there. So it's talking about the living book. What's fascinating about the Quran is that the Quran is uh, given to Prophet Muhammad, who is the final prophet. A prophet, by definition, is an individual who receives a scripture. There are no other prophets to come after Prophet Muhammad. And he was given a book that's supposed to serve mankind until the end of days. And what's interesting is that it says a living book, which he revealed to the aeons. And in some translations, the, the book I specifically has, it doesn't, uh, it's kind of unclear, but it says the 23 aeons. Now we know that the revelation of the Quran came over a span of 23 years, but I don't want to put that into the, uh, the verse itself because it's unclear if that's a note or is that part of the actual text? So I'm going to continue. It says, at, uh, at last, as his letters, displaying to them that these are not merely vowels nor consonants so that one may read them and think of something void of meaning. On the contrary, there are letters which convey the truth. They are pronounced only when they are known. Each letter is perfect truth, like a perfect book, for they are letters written by the hand of the unity. Since the Father wrote them for the aeons, so that they, by means of his letters, might come to know the Father. So in the Gospel of Truth, it's talking about these this living book, which again, if you uh, just to backtrack, uh, it references the Quran as the spirit of truth. And it's saying that these letters are not mere vowels nor consonants, but they are something that entail the entire truth of this book that we may learn to know the Father. And this brings us to the third prophecy, the prophecy of the messenger of the covenant. So in the uh, Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, we read, it, uh, starting from uh, chapter 3, it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire of a lauder's soap. He will sit at the refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. So in Malachi, it's talking about this messenger, the messenger of the covenant. And we see a similar statement made in the Quran about a messenger to come to, in essence, fulfill this covenant. And this is in Surah 3, verse 81. It reads, God took a covenant from the prophet saying, I will give you the scripture and wisdom. And then it says, afterwards, then. So first God gives a covenant to the prophets. Then a messenger will come to confirm all existing scriptures. This confirms the difference between a prophet and a messenger. 
Consistently in the Quran, you will see that prophets were given scripture, while messengers are not necessarily given scriptures. They confirm existing messages. Now, all prophets by de facto are also messengers, but not all messengers are prophets. This is the reason that it's very specific that Muhammad was the last prophet, the last Nabi, but he was not the last Rasul. And it continues. So I'm going to start from the beginning. God took a covenant from the prophet saying, I will give you the scripture and wisdom. Afterwards, a messenger will come to confirm all existing scriptures. You shall believe in him and support him. He said, do you agree with this and pledge to fulfill this covenant? They said, we agree. He said, you have thus borne witness and I bear witness along with you. Obviously, Prophet Muhammad was part of this covenant. Why? Because Prophet Muhammad was a prophet. And he was part of the prophets that, in essence, took this covenant, that a messenger will come after him. And this is further confirmed in Surah 33, verse 7, where it reads, recall that we took from the prophets their covenant, including you, Muhammad, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, uh, son of Mary. We took from them a solemn pledge. So God is calling out specifically you in the reference to Muhammad that he is part of this covenant. And again, in 3340, we read that Muhammad was not the father of any man among you. He was a messenger, a rasul of God, and the final nabi, prophet. He was the seal of the prophets. God is fully aware of all things. And again, this confirms that there is a distinction between a messenger and a prophet. We've done an entire episode and if you have any questions, please reach out consistently in the Quran when you see that a prophet is given scripture and wisdom, while a messenger confirms existing scriptures. Um, you will not find an instance in the Quran that, that contradicts this. And God tells us in the Quran that until the end of days, we will continue receiving messengers. In 735, it reads, O children of Adam, when messengers, plural, messengers come to you from among you and recite my revelations to you, those who take heed and lead a righteous life will have nothing to fear, nor will they grieve. So here it's telling us, it's obviously it's in the Quran, and it's saying, O children of Adam. So it's every human being. It says when messengers come to you. It doesn't say when a messenger comes to you. Mean that until the end of days, until the day of judgment, God can continue to choose to send messengers. But we know for a fact that the final scripture we have is this Quran. So who is this messenger of the covenant? You know, some people, they speculate, they say it's Jesus, Jesus never died. But again, this contradicts because Jesus was a prophet. Therefore, Jesus was part of this covenant. And it says again in 33.7 that he was specifically mentioned, the Jesus son of Mary, that he was part of this covenant of the prophets. And it says afterwards, a messenger will come. So again, who is this messenger of the covenant? Now, one phenomenal aspect of the Quran is that God disjoined the miracle of the Quran with the physical Quran itself. Prophet Muhammad was given the physical Quran, but he was not presented with a physical miracle. And this is confirmed in Surah 10, verse 20, where it reads, They say, How come no miracle, no ayat, came down to him from his Lord? Say, the future belongs to God, so wait, and I'm waiting along with you. Prophet Muhammad knew he did not have a physical miracle, like what was given to Moses and Jesus, uh, to Saleh. What he was given was this book. And God saved the miracle of the Quran for a later generation as proof of this messenger of the covenant. And we are blessed because we found out that in 1974, that the proof of this Quran revolves around the number 19. 
And if you look at Surah 74, it's entitled Al-Mudathir, the hidden secret. And again, hidden secret, it correlates with the word cryptography. Cryptography means hidden. Uh, griffin means to write. Something that's hidden, that's written. A secret, right? So God in this chapter is telling us, and if you read the, the, the surah, it's very fascinating. It's talking about, says, Oh, you hidden secret, come out and warn. Extol your Lord. Purify this garment. Remember, the messenger of the covenant, he purifies this Quran. And it talks about the individual. Starting from verse 14, it says, I made everything easy for him, yet he is greedy for more. He stubbornly refused to accept these proofs. I will increase, increasingly punish him, for he reflected, then decided, miserable is what he decided. Miserable indeed is what he decided. He looked, he frowned, he whined, he turned away arrogantly. He said, this, this Quran, is but clever magic. This is human made. And it continues, as I will commit him to retribution. What retribution? Thorough and comprehensive, obvious to all the people. So God is talking about this hidden secret. And it's saying, come out and warn to purify this garment. And to prove wrong these disbelievers who are claiming that this book is clever magic, that it's human made. In the following verse, in verse 30, it flat out says, over it is 19. What does this mean? In the following verse we read, we appointed angels to be guardians of hell and we assigned their number 19. One, to disturb the disbelievers. Two, to convince the Christians and Jews that this is a divine scripture. Three, to strengthen the faith of the faithful. Four, to remove all traces of doubt from the hearts of Christians, Jews, as well as the believers. And five, to expose those who harbor doubt in their hearts. And the disbelievers, they will say, what did God mean by this allegory? God thus sends astray whomever he wills, and he guides whomever he wills. None knows the soldiers of your Lord except he. This is a reminder for the people. Absolutely, I swear, by the moon and the night as it passes and the morning as it shines, this is one of the great miracles, a warning to the human race. So God is telling us, over this 19, when you do a division, what do you do? You put the, the, uh, the number you want to divide by in the lower bracket. And this is what 19 does. And it gives us five reasons to disturb the disbelievers, to convince the Christians and Jews that this is divine scripture, to strengthen the faith of the faithful, to remove all traces of doubt from the hearts of Christians, Jews, as well as the believers, and to expose those who harbor doubt in their hearts. And God calls this, one of the great miracles, a warning to the human race. Now, anyone who thinks that this is just, you know, nonsense, they say, what did God mean by this? 19, oh, 19 angels are guarding hell. And they completely neglect all the context that's being put there. But let's look at this a little deeper. The number of words in Surah 74, verse 31, where it's telling us the purpose of this number 19 is 57 words. That's 19 times 3. The first 19 verses of Surah 74 also contain 57 words. Again, 19 times 3. The number of words from the beginning of the Surah to where in Arabic it says 19 is 95 words, 19 times 5, and 361 letters, which is 19 times 19. Now, is someone going to say that's all a mere coincidence? Now, this was discovered in 1974. Again, look at these numbers, 1974. Surah 74 is the only surah that contains the number 19, and this was the year that it was discovered. And this corresponds to exactly 1,406 years after the revelation of the Quran. 1974 corresponds to the year 1393 after Hijra. Hijra happened 13 years earlier, so 13 plus 1393 is 1406. 
1406 is 19 times 74. No human being could have coordinated this. Only God, Lord of the universe, could have coordinated this. Now, who discovered this? A simple man by the name of Rashad Khalifa, by God's leave, was bestowed with this great miracle. Now, you can say whatever you want about him, but is God not aware of his servants? Would God have bestowed such an amazing miracle to someone who is an enemy of God, someone who is a charlatan, someone who is a fabricator? I don't think so. I think to make such an argument is absolutely naive. Now, what about this number 19? We just looked inside the surah. Everything around this Quran is purified by this number 19. In 29 chapters of the Quran, we have these initials, these Quranic initials. Now, keep in mind, in the Gospel of Truth, it talks about these letters, some vowels, some consonants, that will purify this scripture, that will let the people know that God created this book. And I want to read the passage from the Gospel of Truth one more time, just so we can understand how this passage correlates with these Quranic initials. So it reads, For he revealed it as a knowledge with which all its emanations agree, namely the knowledge of the living book, which he revealed to the aeons at last as his letters, displaying to them that these are not merely vowels nor consonants, so that one may read them and think of something void of meaning. On the contrary, there are letters which convey the truth. They are pronounced only when they are known. Each letter is a perfect truth, like a perfect book, for they are letters written by the hand of the unity, since the Father wrote them for the aeons, so that they, by means of his letters, might come to know the Father. These Quranic initials have been divinely preserved in the Quran for us to be able to validate authenticate every letter, every word, every verse of this Quran so that we know that this Quran was dictated by God himself for mankind. And in these 29 chapters that have these Quranic initials, we'll see that consistently there are multiples of 19. And I want to give a couple examples. In Surah 42 and Surah 50, the initial that's used is Rof, Q in uh, English. And Surah 42 is twice as long as Surah 50. Yet the occurrence of this letter in both these surahs is 57 times. 57 is 19 times 3. And what's interesting is that the letter Q, it says Q in the glorious Quran. The grammatical value of Majid, in Arabic every letter has a number corresponding to it. The grammatical ma uh, value of Majid, which God describes as the Quran as glorious, also has a geometrical value of 57, 19 times 3. The Quran is mentioned inside the Quran. This Quran is mentioned inside the Quran 57 times. Again, 19 times 3. Is this all a mere coincidence? Now, the Quran itself has 114 chapters, 19 times 6, has 6,346 uh, verses, 19 times 334. Now, some people, they get all up upset because certain elements of the uh, mathematical miracle when it comes to these initials have yet to be uh, fully verified. And this has to predominantly be due with the letters Aleph uh, and Aleph Lamim. In 10 of the chapters, we have Aleph Lamim, Aleph Ram Ra. And the challenge is that in if you look at the old scripts, uh, scriptures of uh, the Quran, Aleph was used as a vowel and a consonant. And if you look at the old uh, writings of the Quran, you won't find any vowels. You won't find any dots. These were inserted later. And this messed up with the counts in regards to these specific 10, verses, uh, 10 surahs. But aside from that, 
In 19 of the surahs, we verified that every letter corresponds to multiples of 19. Even the statement, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, this statement consists of 19 letters. The word Bism occurs in the Quran 19 times. The word Allah occurs in the Quran 2,698 times, which is 19 times 142. The word Al-Rahim, sorry, Al-Rahman occurs 57 times, 19 times 3. Al-Rahim occurs 114 times, 19 times 6. You know, is this a mere coincidence? The number 19 itself even is representative of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the last. These are words that God uses to depict himself. These are not mere coincidence. And did God give this to someone who's a liar, a fabricator, someone who's uh, preaching other, anything aside from the worship of God alone? Now, I want to talk about, again, prophecy. How did God give us clues that Rashad Khalifa was the messenger of the covenant? Now, it just happens that the root of the word Rashad, which means to guide, to right path, occurs 19 times in the Quran. Now, did Rashad know this when he discovered a mathematical miracle? Did he, you know, scheme that, hey, my name is in the Quran? No, God put this in the Quran deliberately so we can be confirmed that when the mess, someone comes and claims that, hey, look, I have a mathematical proof from God that I've, uh, God has given me something that is one of the greatest miracles to the human race in God's own words that this person is to be trusted in addition, we see examples how God, again, prophesizes this messenger of the covenant for us. In Surah 40, we read about someone that's known as the believing Egyptian who debated with Pharaoh. Now, it's worth mentioning that Rashad Khalifa was an Egyptian. He was an Egyptian biochemist. He studied, got his PhD, and while he was working for the UN, is when he put the Quran inside the uh, computer and was able to uh, see this mathematical structure of the Quran. But in Surah 40, we read about the believing Egyptian and his debate with Pharaoh. Now, it's interesting. This person was not a messenger. He was not a prophet. He's an individual that God has emphasized for us to learn from. So it says, a believing man among Pharaoh's people. So the believing Egyptian who is concealing his belief, said, How can you kill a man just for saying, My Lord is God, and he has shown you clear proofs from your Lord? If he is a liar, that is his problem. If he is truthful, you benefit from his promise. Surely God does not guide any transgressor, liar. Now, on January 1990, Rashad Khalifa was assassinated. He was killed in his masjid in Tucson, Arizona. And they killed him. Why? Because he brought divine proof from God, validating every letter, every verse, every surah of this Quran. And he purified it. How? He eliminated this false narratives of hadith and sunnah and made the religion dedicated to God alone. In Surah 40 verse 29, it continues, Oh my people, today you have the kingship in the upper hand, but who will help us against God's judgment should it come to us? Pharaoh said, You are to follow only what I see fit. I will guide you only in the right path. Then it says, the one who believed, again, this believing Egyptian, he says, Oh, my people, I fear for you the same fate as the previous opponents, the opponents of Noah, Ad, and Thamud, and others who came after them. God does not wish any injustice for the people. Oh, my people, I fear for you the day of summoning. That is the day when you may wish to turn around and flee, but nothing will protect you than, uh, from God. Whomever God sends astray, nothing can guide him. Now, what's interesting is in the following verse, it goes on this tangent. So this is the believing Egyptian debating with his people. And it goes on this tangent in 4034. It reads, 
Joseph had come to you before that with clear revelations, but you continued to doubt his message. Then when he died, you said God will not send any other messengers after him. Inferring that he was the last messenger, God thus sends astray those who are transgressors doubtful. So here it's talking about the people of Pharaoh, the Egyptians, that after Joseph's death, and keep in mind, after Joseph came Moses, came Solomon, came David, all these prophets, but they thought that Joseph was the last messenger. Now, does this sound familiar? Today we're being told that Muhammad is the last messenger. God will not send any more messengers, despite the evidence that Muhammad was only the last prophet. And I'm going to jump ahead four verses to 4038. It says, The one who believed said, Oh, my people, follow me, and I will guide you in the right way. Oh, my people, this first life is a temporary illusion, while the hereafter is the eternal abode. Now, does this sound like the word of just a random person who saw Moses' miracle and believed? He says, follow me and I will guide you in the right way. This is a person who's speaking with authority. And it continues in 41, says, Oh, my people, while I invite you to be saved, you invite me to the hellfire. You invite me to be unappreciative of God and to set up beside him idols that I do not recognize. I am inviting you to the Almighty, the Forgiver. There is no doubt that what you invite me to do has no basis in this world nor in the hereafter that our ultimate return is to God, and that the transgressors have incurred the hellfire. Someday you will remember what I am telling you now. I leave the judgment of this matter to God. God is seer of all the people. This believing Egyptian is debating with Pharaoh's people. He's making the case, the case, how can you kill a man just for saying to worship God alone? If he is a liar, that's his problem. But if he's telling the truth, you benefit from his statement. Then it talks about Joseph, in the context of people saying that Joseph was the last messenger that God would not send. And keep in mind, it's emphasizing Rasul, messenger. And now what else is interesting is that the root word Rashad occurs four verses before the mention of Joseph and four verses afterwards. And again, God is putting these clues in there for us to be able to realize who the messenger of the covenant is. In this story about this believing Egyptian, in the story that it's talking about uh, claim that Joseph was the last messenger, it uses the word al-Rashad, the right way, the righteous way to guide us in the right way. Now, this is amazing. These are the ways that God uses prophecy in the Quran. So when, in hindsight, when we look back and we analyze its verses, it becomes clear. I want to look at one other proof in the sense of Rashad Khalifa being a messenger of God. And this has to do with Surah 72. In Surah 72, as opposed to reading this entire surah, the root word Rashad, Rashada, is used four times in this surah. And this surah is the one where it says, the places of worship belong to God, do not call on anyone else beside God. And it says, when, a, when God's servants advocated him alone, almost all of them banded together to oppose him. This individual who is advocating the worship of God alone, right now we have a lot of People they identify as Quranists, Quran alone, but the, you know they uh, uh, don't uh, accept any hadith and sunnah. But they reject the messenger of the covenant. They reject this prophecy, and God is putting these clues in there for anyone who sincerely studies the Quran to realize that this person was sent by God to clarify these matters for us. And it continues in seventy-two twenty to say, "I worship only my Lord. I never set up any idols beside Him." Say, I possess no power to harm you or to guide you in the right path. And in the last verses 
In Surah 72, verse 26, it says, He is the knower of the future. He does not reveal the future to anyone. Only to a messenger that he chooses does he reveal from the past and future specific news. God is telling us, if someone has divine knowledge, that it only comes from God, and God only selects to give this proof, this message, to someone that he selected as a Rasul. The messenger here is named mathematically as Rashad Khalifa. The number of verses from Surah 1, verse 1 to Surah 72, verse 27, where the messenger is mentioned, is 5,472, which is 19 times 72 times 4. And again, the root word Rashad, as in Rashada, occurs four times in Surah 72. The value of Rashada is 504, the grammatical value. So if you take each letter and you correspond it to its corresponding number, that value is 504. And 504 plus 28, which is the number of verses in Surah 72, is 532, which is 19 times 28. The value of Rashad Khalifa, so the grammatical value of Rashad Khalifa is 505 plus 725. Uh, if you add that to Surah 72 and the 28 verses, you get 1330, which is 19 times 70. And the digits of Surah 72 and its numbers of verses, so 28, if you add those digits together, 7 plus 2 plus 2 plus 8, you get the number of 19. And also, this crucial expression, only to a messenger that he chooses, has a grammatical value of 1919, which is 19 times 101. God willing, I mean, we can reflect on this and think about it. What is it that this individual preached? He preached the worship of God alone. He preached following the Quran alone. He preached the uh, absolvement of any forms of idol worship. And he was given one of the greatest proofs, according to God, the mathematical structure of this Quran. God willing, let's analyze and think about these, these prophecies that God has put in the Quran for our own benefit. Inshallah, we're going to end there. But if you guys got comments, questions, please let us know. Mashallah, we've been getting a lot of good questions. And inshallah, I want to incorporate those questions inside future episodes, but also publish them on our uh, website, Quran Study 19. And um, inshallah, other people can benefit from that as well. Until next time, peace and God bless.